Welcome to the Button to Christ Ministries podcast. Here you will find powerful messages from our ministry founder and president, Patrick Baker. You will also hear interviews and testimonies, all designed to encourage God's people to come higher in Christ Jesus and experience true power in Him. Join us every week on our prayer line every Tuesday and Friday morning at 5 a.m. and Tuesday and Friday nights at 7.30 and 9 p.m. respectively. All times are Eastern Standard Time. And now, without further ado, sit back and enjoy the Button to Christ Ministries podcast. Amen. Happy Sabbath, brethren. The song of meditation will be 287, Softly and Tenderly. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. As the heart follows, he's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me. Come home, come home, you who are weary, come home, earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling, oh sinner, come home. Why should we tarry when Jesus is pleading, pleading for you and for me? Why should we linger and heed not his mercy? Mercies for you and for me. Come home, come home, ye who are we. Ye who 
Jesus is calling, calling, oh sinner, come home, come home, come home, you who are weary, come Tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, oh sinner, come home. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Sister Isabella. Just beautiful. Thank you for that beautiful song of meditation tonight. I was blessed. I hope everybody on the line was also blessed uh, by your rendition. Amen. And we will uh, segue to the next part of our program. We will be hearing from the man of God, the man of the hour, that will bring the word uh, with power. I will say uh, good night and happy Sabbath to Pastor Saw. Good evening. Thank you, Sister Noreen. Thank you for the warm welcome and Sabbath greetings. I hope I can be heard by God's grace. Praise God, Pastor Saw. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. Praise be to God. A blessed, blessed and pleasant Sabbath to each and every one of you on on the eve of the another Sabbath. This last Sabbath of the month of May, I can't believe this month has gone, come and gone so quickly, and we're almost here at the halfway mark of 2021. Some people said they couldn't wait for 2020 to be over, and now we're almost halfway through 2021, and this year is halfway over. Can you believe it? Well, I believe that God is truly trying to cut short his work in righteousness. He's yearning and longing to come to take his children home, but yet there was a work for us to be done, first in our own lives and in the lives of those God has called us to minister and to serve. And so may God motivate us, may God prepare us, may God even use your circumstances and my circumstances, despite how challenging they may be, God will give us strength in the struggle and give us victory and overcoming power. So I pray that each of you, uh, by God's grace, can bless the Lord this evening. As you heard the testimonies and the beautiful song, thank you, Sister Isabella, Sister Melanie, and the other testimonies that your hearts, your hearts have been watered this evening. And I pray that whatever you're going through, take it to the Lord in prayer. Don't give up because God never gives up on you and I. This evening, I want to speak to you on the subject, when life takes you under the sea. When life takes you under the sea. Now, you perhaps have some inkling of an idea of where I'm going, but let's take a moment to seek the Lord in prayer and receive a word from the Lord. Let's pray together. And so, loving Heavenly Father, because of your great mercies, 
and goodness toward us, Lord, we are in the land of the living. There are those, Lord, who went to bed last night that did not wake up this morning. Lord, we thank you for this precious gift you have given us. Despite all the challenges we may face, we thank you for life, but above all, we thank you for uh, life everlasting, the abundant life that you've called us to experience here and now, but also in the hereafter. Bless your word now as we open it, open our minds, remove every distraction, that you will be our main attraction, and we will receive your words with gladness and joy, and they will, O oh Lord, empower us to live for you and to, O oh Lord, serve others, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When life takes you under the sea, the poem begins, I fled him down the nights and down the days, opens the famous poem, The Hound of Heaven, by the English poet Francis Thompson. Actually, Thompson describes Jesus uh, and his unceasing pursuit, despite his own efforts to hide or even run away from God. The poet concludes with these words. He says, I am he whom thou seekest. You know, this powerful theme in scripture throughout the entire Bible, from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation, we find that the pursuing love of God is a central theme throughout scripture. We actually find it in almost every chapter, every book of the Bible. It begins in Genesis when Adam was asked of God. He heard the voice of God calling him his name, saying, Adam, Adam, where are you? That is God seeking us, God pursuing us, God in search for us. And he's still in hot pursuit for you and I. And throughout scripture, we see it. And the greatest evidence of God's pursuit of love for us is demonstrated and visible at the cross of Calvary. Somebody ought to say amen. No greater love than this. No greater evidence exhibit of God's love, a love from God's heart, a love that we cannot repay, a love that we cannot even fully comprehend on this side of eternity, and perhaps it would take the ceaseless ages of eternity, as the expression goes, for us to fully or begin to fully grasp the height and breadth and length and width of God's love for you and I and the human family. You know, the story, the wonderful story is told of Jonah, and now you know where I'm going, when life takes you under the sea, and it was a very interesting story. Of all the calls God has made and placed on people's lives, of all God's prophets and servants and missionaries, we find a very unusual 
and perhaps we can say disturbing story and even disturbing visual of this narrative. Well, well, let's take a look in summary. We know the story of Jonah. You know, it was a classic and favorite children's story growing up, you know, as children. We all were always fascinated by the story of Jonah. Jonah who initially decided to be disobedient to God and go in the opposite or run in the opposite direction of God. It's interesting. Uh, you know, uh, here it is. You have God giving a divine instruction, a divine assignment. Can you imagine this with me for a moment? You know, there are times when God's prophets or his servants would, you know, challenge him and, and reason with him. And, you know, and that's all right. But this story of Jonah is so unusual and so different. It's the only case in the recorded scripture, in the record of scripture, we find a, a true prophet of the Lord who tries so hard to thwart and to overthrow, well, forgive the pun, to overthrow the will of God by fleeing from the very divine task God has given him. He, he tries to overthrow the will of God but then he gets overthrown from the boat into the sea. Now, can you imagine this? Jonah tried to go as far as he could in the opposite direction from where God had commanded him to go. Does that sound familiar to any one of us? Am I talking to somebody this evening? Are there times when in our lives, or was there times, or could there be times in our lives where we have gone opposite and contrary to God's will and God's word and direction that he's leading us. So we find Jonah here moving in the opposite direction from where God had commanded him. Jonah had hoped that, you know the story, that Nineveh uh, would get what it deserved. He was afraid that if he announced judgment and, and repentance, that the people of Nineveh might respond in a manner that would prompt God to change his mind. I mean, you would think that would be a wonderful thing, right? That God could, could save uh, such a wicked city like Nineveh. So in an attempt to seek to restrain God from being merciful to, to the, the, these disobedient, you know, practice, practicing people, these, you know, these, this wicked city, he decides to run away. Wow. I often think, how could any human being, how could Jonah ever think that he could uh, prevent and stop the plan and purposes of God? Can I talk to somebody here today? I mean, here you have, this, this is a preacher, here's a prophet, this is a missionary of God. He has a calling on his life, and yet he decides to go in the opposite direction. How could a prophet of God hide from the creator of the universe. It doesn't make sense to me. It, it, is, it is somewhat of a, you know, a, a, a sad, tragic, but also some element of, of humor in this story that you would think that, okay, well, you know, uh, there's no way I can go anywhere away from God's presence. 
but but he thought that he could. And so you know the story. He boarded a ship that was bound and destination or destined to go to Tarshish. And apparently, according to the geographical map, Tarshish is actually located somewhere in the southeast coast of Spain. That's what they understand that, uh, you know, old Tarshish or Tarshish of old was located in that region. So that's kind of the quite the opposite direction. In any case, it represents the furthest place known to the people of ancient Israel. It is, it is like something like that goes trying to go away to the ends of the earth. But there's something interesting here that you and I should take a note of, and I'd like to summon your attention to. Were a prophet of God directly to obey the sovereign God, he might place not only himself, but others connected with him in jeopardy. Well, look at the story. Look what happened. He was on the boat, and a violent storm arose. And we are told that the the men on the ship, or the people on the ship, the sailors and and the passengers, they were exceedingly afraid. We find that in Jonah chapter one verse ten, and it continues on. And 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 they casted lots previously, and it fell on Jonah. And, and Jonah knew that he was the cause. And of course, there's no way that he could excuse himself. So he basically um, admitted to the guilt. He admitted or made the admission that, yes, he's the one, he's the cause. And so we find in verse 10 that the men asked him, why have you done this? Well, the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Verse 11, then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may become for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. Wow. This is a powerful line, that he fled from the presence of the Lord. Now, the truth of the matter is, brothers and sisters, there is no place we can go here on earth or even as hell, in hell. That's what the Bible says in Psalm 139. Whither shall I go from your presence? Whither shall I flee from your presence? Whither shall I go from your presence, O Lord? Whither shall I flee from you? If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. So we know that there's no way on earth we can escape God's global gaze. We are constantly uh, in God's presence. And of course, we may try to flee from his presence, but God's presence is everywhere. We call it the everywhereness of God. There is no way on earth, nowhere on earth, nowhere on earth that we can hide from God. So verse 12 says, and he said to them, pick me up. This is Jonah speaking. Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to the land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Verse 14 says, Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life, and do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah in verse 15 and threw him into the sea. The sea and the sea was ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Wow. 
Are you following with me? It's an interesting story. When life takes you under the sea. Now, it, it got so bad that, that they had to throw Jonah off, off the boat. And, and it's so interesting that we see this expression uh, from the presence of the Lord. And Joseph, Jonah's attempt to remove himself as far as possible from the service of the Lord. Now, we've got to remember something, that, that, that the people of Israel were not uh, coastal people. They were not what we call maritime people. They didn't live by the sea so much. I mean, you had some fishermen that Jesus called, of course, as disciples. But in, in general, um, they had a fear of the sea. And this is actually found in Psalm 93. You could read that a little bit more. So Jonah's natural uh, aversion to water, to the sea, was overcome by his greater distaste for the thought that Nineveh might escape God's threatened destruction. Can you believe it? Now, it's hard to believe that you have a brother here like Jonah doesn't want to see people saved. That's a sad story. But God pursued Jonah. God pursued Jonah even though he secured a passage in a ship sailing in the opposite direction, trying to flee from the presence of the Lord. And we find something so powerful now in verse 2. Check it out. Chapter 2, rather. Now, let's go to verse 17 first. Chapter 1, verse 17, then we'll just quickly go into chapter 2 and uh, land the plane in a few moments. The Bible says in verse 17, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, isn't this fascinating? Like, we love this part of the story. And, and it sometimes can be, you know, some people think it's an allegory or, or you know, a... Uh, uh, some type of, um, you know, fable, as it were, a parable, rather. But, but we know that God makes no mistakes, and we know that all the elements of nature is at his disposal and at the command of his voice. And so God prepared a, a big fish. Some would say a whale, but we cannot, we cannot be certain of it. But, of course, when you look at the big whales, like, the humpback whale and the blue whale, and these are large creatures, large leviathans, as the old English word says. And so you could imagine, yes, I mean, I, I've seen one of those big ones open their mouth, and certainly a human being could, could slip right into the mouth and, and go right down in the belly. Now, that must have been a very um, disconcerting experience for Jonah. Can you imagine? But God makes provisions even through nature. And it's interesting, it says that he was in the belly of the whale or fish for three days and three nights. Now, we know that there's a, this prophetic kind of application uh, to that when it, you know, foreshadows, uh, of course, of course, foreshadows Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection with the, uh, with the three days and three nights. But I, that's not where I want to focus. I want to keep going forward uh, on into chapter 2. And it says, then Jonah prayed to the Lord, verse 2. Sorry, verse 1, chapter 2, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the fish's belly. <laughs> and then he said this, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, out of the belly of hell, I cried, and you heard my voice. Hold on now. What does it take? Oh, we often ask that question. That's the BTC classic interrogative or question. What does it take? 
What does it take for God to get our attention? What does it take for God to get us to the place where he wants us to be? What does it take for God to change our mindset, to change our attitude, to change our direction? Sometimes he's got to send a big fish to swallow us up. Mercy. Now, you know, now, now, you know we can use the, the proverbial expression that God sends a fish and swallows us up uh, in the belly of a whale. In fact, I use that expression because I, too, at one point, I wouldn't say like Jonah, I was uh, running away in terms of not being obedient or not trying to give a message, but I was somewhat running away when I wanted to pursue a course in the study of medicine to become a doctor, which I would still serve the Lord, but the Lord placed a calling on my life, and and I said, Lord, if you want me to go into ministry, prepare the way. And uh, he surely opened the doors, and uh, and I, I often said I was swallowed up by a virtual whale and spat out on the shores of, of the seminary when I went to study. And so uh, God spared my life. And I have another story about that, but not, not this time and place. I have to save that for another, uh, another message or devotional. So here we find. Jonah, crying out to God in the belly of will. Now, watch this. He was just previously trying to flee from the presence of the Lord. How does he know now God is still with him? In the belly of a fish. I call that fish faith. Okay, no, no, no. I don't want to make try of it, but here his faith is activated in the belly of the fish. Now, can you imagine? Uh, some of you all love to eat fish. Okay, and I don't want to, you know, make anyone hungry now, but, um, you know, God is working on those who are still striving to become vegetarians, praise the Lord. Uh, and, and so those of you who are vegetarians, you remember what it used to be like to eat fish. And those of you who eat fish, you know, there is no condemnation, but uh, you know how fish is. You know, you've cleaned the fish, you open a fish, and, you know, there's a lot of stuff in there you had to clean out. And I'm just thinking how it was like. But see, when God prepares a place for you, whether it be in isolation, whether it be under the sea, whether it be in the belly of a fish, God takes care of the arrangements. Can I talk to somebody here today? God takes care of all the arrangements and all the amenities because he is God and, and he knows what is best for us. So he perhaps prepared the, the belly of the fish. There was no, uh, no, 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 no food in the belly of the fish. The fish's belly was cleared. In fact, it already had completed its digestion. Well, if it did, it might be hungry. But, but God, just like how he commanded the lions uh, in the den that Daniel was thrown in so that they would not harm or eat him, he perhaps commanded this fish that it would perhaps suspend its salivary glands and, and, and prevent it from becoming hungry. It's perhaps suspended its, its, its hunger pangs for three days and three nights. So that Jonah miraculously could remain uh, untouched from the, uh, the chemical and digestive and salivary juices that would be secreted from the, from the fish's belly and from the, perhaps the acid in the fish's belly. God shielded him there. Can you imagine? And now he begins to pray. 
Verse 2 says, out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. Verse 3, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me, and all your billows and your waves passed over. Have mercy. Are you going through a rough tempest right now? Are you going through a tempestuous sea in your life? I've got good news for you. God has made provisions for you. Even if you feel that you're going to be cast out of your comfort zone, out of your boat, out of your, your place that you feel is a safe place, God has a better place for you, my fellow brothers and sisters. Even if it is figuratively the belly of a fish. What a God we serve. It continues as I wrap this up. Jonah pens this beautiful poem in the belly of a fish. He recounts that despite his best efforts to run away from God, God still pursued him. When Jonah was overcome by a situation and needed to be saved, he now cries out to God in prayer and turns toward his love. Let's read it. As is a beautiful poem, and as I use this to wrap up God's word this evening. Verse 4 says, Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. Verse 5, The waters surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. Verse 6, and I don't know, maybe those are seaweeds, okay? Seaweeds. Verse 6 says, I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. Verse 7, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Verse 8, then those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. Verse 9, but... I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. Amen? With the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Somebody ought to say amen. Salvation is of the Lord. That is the punchline, the last line of Jonah's prayer, or shall we say poetic Prayer from the belly of a fish. Salvation is of the Lord. Somebody ought to say amen. Salvation, he was saying, deliverance is of the Lord. He surrendered to the salvation of God. Brothers and sisters, you and I, whatever struggle we're going through, we just need to surrender to the salvation of the Lord. And declare salvation is of the Lord. In other words, deliverance is of the Lord. Whatever you're going through, the trials, the tests, the, the setbacks, the adversities, the attack and the assault of the enemy, can you declare this evening salvation is of the Lord? Join me in declaring this evening salvation is of the Lord. God answered Jonah's prayer in the belly of a fish provided rescue that only for Jonah 
but also saved an entire city. That was the most successful evangelistic series known to humankind. Never in the history of human salvation, civilization, has a whole city been saved from destruction. And Zona was the most unlikely evangelist. Thanks be to God, nothing can overthrow and thwart the purposes and plans of God. And here is verse 10. So the Lord spoke to the fish. Come on now. And it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Let me talk to somebody here today. You might go, go and be going through some tempestuous seas. God may have to allow you to be overthrown overboard. But being overthrown doesn't mean you're abandoned. Being overthrown doesn't mean that you are left alone and disavowed. God still pursues you because he makes provisions even in the belly of a fish. Then, when God has got your attention, when you realize and come to surrender and to declare God's salvation, he prepares dry land, good ground for you to come upon. What a God we serve. I don't know what season you're going through in your life, but when we try to run from God, we know what the consequences are. Instead of running away from God, let's run to God. The Bible says in, in Proverbs 18, verse 21, Proverbs 18, 21, the righteous, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and is saved. Somebody ought to say, amen, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and, it, and they are safe. May you run, not away from God, but run into God because his arms are open wide to receive us and he will restore us and bring us back to where he wants us to be. In fact, he'll take us to the next level in our faith, in our journey with God. So, I want to leave you today. Can we declare today, this evening, salvation is of the Lord. I pray that you will delight to do God's will and that you will not run from God, but run to Him and declare and surrender to the salvation of God in your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Bun to Christ Ministries podcast. We hope that you were blessed. Feel free to visit our website at buntochrist.com for more content and information. Also, feel free to contact us at buntochrist70 at gmail.com with your prayer requests or any questions you may have. May God richly bless you, and we'll see you next time.